This is John Byrne, the lead pastor here at Grace Fellowship, and this is the Grace Deep Dive Podcast, recorded deep in the depths of the Grace Fellowship basement here in Lakewood, Colorado. We dive a little deeper into Sunday sermon. I'm Johnny McCloskey, and I'll be your host on the Grace Deep Dive Podcast. Welcome back to the Grace Deep Dive Podcast. Uh, we hope you have a great week. Uh, hey, John, just before we get started, do you mind drawing me some water? I'm really thirsty. You some water. Yeah. And maybe my camels a also. A picture of it? Yeah. And my camels also? Yeah. No? Your camels? You have camels? I do have camels, yeah. You know, there's some camels if you drive uh, south towards Palmer Lake. There's, I think there's camels down there. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm, I'm dead serious. I wonder who, who I'm draws, not dead, but I am serious. I wonder who draws water for them. That's a good question. Maybe Rebecca. Or maybe maybe there's a lady named Rebecca that works there. That's right. Hey, uh, so we're uh, still in the series Faith and Doubt. I think we're getting... To the end of it, right? Is that correct? We, we really only have one more. This next week, um, or this coming Sunday, we'll, Scott Winnig, who was my homiletics professor in, in seminary and uh, church history professor and was the interim pastor here at Grace Fellowship uh, between myself and um, Jeff Sherman, who was here for 30 years before that. Um, uh, he's going to be preaching, and he's an excellent communicator and I, our people are going to be really blessed by him. So you, you don't want to miss it. I'm serious. I love listening to him preach. And my only uh, regret is that I won't be here to do it. So but ex- I'll, I'll listen to the recording. There you go. So hopefully we get it recorded. Well, well yeah, but don't screw it up, John. <laughs> Sometimes that happens. It's all on your plate, man. <laughs> Sometimes it happens. Don't mess it up. You know what, John? Well, um, uh, hopefully we will finish well. Yes. We didn't start too strong. Just what do kidding. You mean? <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, you know, that's the uh, the title of the series. Uh, the sermon this week was uh, Finish yeah. Well, Start Strong. And of course, yeah. I had to do a little dig at you. Uh, no, but I think you started strong. Yeah. And I think we're going to finish well. All right. Well, let's, let's do it. Let's <laughs> there finish you go. well uh, with the series. But yeah, we're, we're talking about, you know, the story, kind of one of the coolest stories, I think. Actually, what I love is probably what we're going to talk about next week is where Rebecca sees Isaac for the first time. Uh, no, we're not talking about that. But that is a cool story, though. I love that. I love <laughs> in this in this series. I love or in this the Bible story. I love Wait. how she sees Isaac and he's worshiping God. Oh yeah, for yeah. The first time he, he's out. He's out in the field meditating. It's, yeah, isn't that yeah. great? Yeah, I love that. So, uh, but no, we're talking about you know Rebecca here in uh, the cool and, story and just a cool cool wedding thing. You know, I mean she she pulls a veil down over her face when she when she sees him, and it's kind of a. Uh, you know, just as far as wedding veils and things like that, that's, that's, you know, part of where that comes from. It's kind of cool. Oh, it's a cool thing. I didn't know that. There you go. Um, yeah. So she's apparently she's a, she's a pretty, she's pretty hardcore. She's pretty strong. She's, you know, very, uh, has a very, yeah, Yeah. uh, humble, uh, she's a good matriarch for the covenant. She is right. And and is there something significant as she, you know, even cultural for a, a woman to offer to, to water camels for for a stranger essentially yeah or was he was he a stranger i mean did she maybe maybe she knew of him from because they're semi-related right yeah yeah well it's the servant of abraham I, it doesn't really no, tell yeah, us about the servant so I, I don't i don't know that he would have had a familiar appearance of any kind um there isn't anything in the story that that lets us know that hey she knew who this was initially okay. um and and i don't you know i mean hospitality is a big deal um, and certainly, uh, c- certainly hospitality and showing hospitality would be a good thing, but it's not always done. Um, and so it, it wouldn't be 
completely unusual, but 10 camels, you know, I mean, it would be very easy for her to just, you know, give him water and, and, and move on and, and that kind of thing. I don't think there's anything cultural that requires her to do that. Um, but hospitality is a big deal in that culture because, you know, there's not, there's not always like hotels, like we have a hotel, you know, we go on to Expedia or whatever your thing is. And we, we plan a trip, like I'm going to Minnesota this weekend and we're not staying in a hotel, but it's easy. I mean, we can do, we can go onto Expedia. We plan our flights, our hotel, our car, like everything right on there. Right. And so hospitality in our culture isn't as necessary as it was in that culture. However, the fact that she's willing not only to offer to, to water the camels, camels, but follows through on it is really significant as far as her going above and beyond, and it shows a lot of character. Okay, so there's nothing significant, though, about like why she would do It seems like you said above and beyond. It's amazing yeah. that she would do that. Yeah. You would think there would be some other thing that maybe other women would do that or other people might do that. Now, he, he would have appeared wealthy. Okay. That's for sure. You know, you can, you, you know, ten, ten, camels. 10 camels is a big deal. Camels aren't even... You know, not they're not common as far as being lots of people have them at that time. And so and so that that is unusual. So it is definitely a sign of wealth. And, and so she would have known he's wealthy. She would have known that. And could that have been a motivator? It might have been. OK. You know, might have been part of it. But still, she's showing hospitality. And that's a hard, that's a lot of hard work, man. Yeah. I mean, just go haul five, a couple five gallon buckets of water around for a while. It's 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 tough work. Yeah, I have a I have a fish tank. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, yeah. It's like a forty yeah. gallon fish tank, and I I I change the water in five gallon oh, increments. Oh man! And even I'm after like I'm like I'm just gonna do half of yeah right because that's like three or four. I'm done, and then you got to carry out and then in. So that's like twice the work. I mean, it's like eight. I mean, I pretty much watered camels. This is why I have dogs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I probably watered a maybe a muskrat or something. Ten, yeah, ten muskrat. muskrat. I don't even know what a muskrat is, but ten muskrats. You could water them though. Yeah, with, yeah, with what I do on my water yeah. changes. Uh, yeah, you know what, John? I uh, if anything, I took away from the sermon is how I want to start doing covenants with people. Okay. Oh, is that right? I want to. Yeah, I feel like. Yes. I like the hand on the thigh thing. Is that right? I like, I I think it's a good, uh, it's a new thing I'm going to start trying. We have to work on your boundaries and filters, (laughs) man. Is that a weird thing? I mean, it's 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 in the Bible, John. What do you want from me? There's a lot of things that are in the Bible that we don't necessarily (laughs) want to do, okay? So can you explain that? Actually, the the, uh, hand under the thigh? Yeah, I I mentioned it real real briefly in the first sermon, on on, the first service on Sunday. I didn't really talk about it in the second, um, which is the one we will use on the recording. So... Um, it's, it is awkward, right? You read this thing and I think it can be a little bit. It's Abraham to a servant, right? Yeah. It's Abraham to a servant and, and vice versa. They both do it. But, um, but there is kind of this, this weird thing and it's, it's a little bit odd for us. We just go, what in the world is going on there? Like somebody, you know, think about somebody, you know, putting their hand underneath your thigh. You're like, like, why are you touching me? Right. Right. Yeah. Um, what, you know, why are you touching me in that way? I mean that, you know, in our world, that might be a me too kind of movement, you know, sure. me, you know, hashtag me too kind of thing inappropriate. or something. But, but in, in that culture, it's, it's not, but it is still a little bit awkward for us. It, it's a lot like placing our hand on the Bible and making a commitment in our, in our culture, you know, a, a covenant, a contract, things like that. Um, and it's, and it's basically, it's basically saying, Hey, I promise that I will actually see whatever it is that I'm committing to through. It relates back to uh, circumcision, which we covered a little while ago. We talked about circumcision briefly and the, and the covenant and the establishment of the covenant between God and Abraham. And so there's kind of probably a little bit of innuendo kind of going on here where, you know, in reference to circumcision. And so and so the hand under the thigh is, is, is hey, I am making this commitment based on the very covenant that God made between or with Abraham. And so based on that, 
That is my promising factor. That thing that will hold me accountable to actually following through on this is the covenant between God and Abraham. And so when, when they put the hand out of the thigh, that's, that's what they're talking about. It's a reference to that. And it's, it's, it's like putting a hand on the Bible and then, and, you know, raising your right hand and saying, I, I absolutely swear I will, I will follow through on this. And so it's a significant, it's significant because of the level of commitment that's being made. And it's odd to us because of the cultural differences. And so, but it is a reference to God and it's a reference to his covenant, but it's, it's significant in that it's, I will absolutely make sure this happens. Mm, like yeah. this, this is a covenant, you know, and you know, almost like saying, you know, or else death kind of thing. Gotcha. Well, you know, I think it's kind of cool just to see what Abraham, the, the later Abraham, you know, it seems like in the beginning of the story, he was very much about survival and you yeah. know, just trying to figure out how am I going to do what I need to do, um, which I think we all get caught up in as um, just parents and, and whatnot. We, we just got to survive sometimes. But you, you start to see him shift to really being committed to carrying out, helping God or, you know, helping God to carry out the promises that he has, you know, been um that God has promised him. So like you, like you said, with the, with the land, putting like using resources to, I'm going to further this uh, covenant that God has given to me, or I'm going to further it in a sense of even this to find my, um, my, my daughter-in-law, essentially my, you know, yeah. to further the, the growth of the nations. I think that's a kind of, that's a cool thing. He's really starting to shift in not necessarily my will, but his will. And this is what I'm using these resources that I have to further his will and his, his covenant. Yeah. It's almost like his faith is kind of found stride. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's not that he, that he didn't trust God at all before, uh, but he he didn't know how to how to exercise faith r- quite right, and 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 he had doubts, and he he didn't. It's like it's like through this process of ups and downs, you know, all the way back to God's promises to him, you know, entering the land, going to Egypt, all these things were were part of building his faith, so that he knew that faith muscle, if you will, you know, he knew how to how to exercise that faith muscle in the right way. Um, you know, it's kind of like you know. You go to the gym and you see people who have no idea what they're doing on a, on a, on a, and, and they start lifting in these really crazy ways. They're exercising, but they're doing it wrong and they're doing, doing themselves harm. And it's because they don't know how to do it right. Right. And so, and so as he's gone through this, he's, he's figured out some of those doubts. He's, he's uh, made some mistakes along the way. He's done things not right. And now he's finally figuring mm-hmm. out, here's how I, here's how I work with God as opposed to to working outside the lines, outside the boundaries that God has established. Even though they seem like wise decisions or something at the time, but they just weren't along stride with God. What are you yeah, doing? Yeah. In that culture. And, and Hagar is the, the perfect example, right? In that culture, it was reasonable. Your wife can't have kids. She gives you the servant and, and it's a surrogate type situation. And so, and, and so you do that, that culturally and, and from the laws at the time, that's what they would do. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't what God had designed. And I think that's, you know, there's a lesson there for us. It's, it's not what's legal. It's what's right according to God, you know, and that's, you know, that's what we need to seek after and follow uh, as far as his instruction, not, not just, not the way the world works. And we mm-hmm. need to be able to distinguish where it's a cultural thing that might not honor God versus the things that actually do honor God and do the things that actually do honor God. Well, yeah. Um, it looks like, you know, tell, tell me if I'm wrong, but it looks like uh, the servant goes back to Abraham's Homeland is that correct? Or yeah, yeah. So you know, it ends up being like Abraham's brother's brother. You know, it ends up being like uh, it ends up being Isaac's like 
distant cousin. Okay. Is, is who it ends up being. But yeah, it's go back to my people, to Abraham's people. Why did, why did he ask him to go back to his people? Well, it's, it's cultural. I mean, the world was there. I mean, the world yeah. was different at that time anyways. It, it was as far as, yeah. Civilizations. Sh- and- but even in our society, you know, we don't, we, we, we kind of hear cousins and, and marriage and we think, you know, the back hills of Kentucky or something like that, where people have blue skin because they haven't, you know, because they've been intermarrying or something. Uh, um, I, I don't really have any firsthand knowledge of any of that, but, but, you know, from what I hear, the, the rumors are that kind of thing. Um, but even in our society, a distant cousin isn't, isn't forbidden. Even, even culturally, we might hear the word cousin and go, that's a little odd, but we find out, oh, it's like their fourth cousin. And, okay. Well, yeah, you know, that's not, that's not nearly as big a deal. And so, so, but at that time it would have been Abraham married his half sister. Right. Um, and, and so we find out in Genesis 20 about that. So, so there is definitely that acceptable is much more acceptable at the time to marry within family. Um, but it's a cultural thing more than anything. In other words, in other words, you know, God is very concerned and we see this throughout the old Testament where God says, Hey, don't intermarry with these other people. It's not that God's a racist. That's not what's going on. What's going on is that God is very much concerned about the purity of theology and the and the purity of values and and those kinds of things. Johnny's freaking out right now because a bee just flew by. Yeah, it's, we're it's, way, it's like ten feet away from you, Johnny. Just we relax. Are inside, John? Why is there a bee in here? <laughs> I don't know, but just it, if you leave it alone, Maybe it'll that's leave Abraham. You alone, all right, I'm gonna name Abraham. Abraham. But anyway, so so God's very concerned about keeping the purity of theology and and, and the purity of of values and culture that that are godly. And so that's the significance of that. Okay, and you know, I was I was, I was actually. Not just the the inter um, was in inbreeding intermarrying or whatever. I was more yeah, more asking the question too, just because um, you think little civilizations. You know, I I don't know. I'm assuming he's in a place where there's probably I guess there probably are other nations around him. Obviously, you have Egypt. You know, yeah. Well, um, the Canaanites the, there were people. The there. Canaanites there. Okay. I mean, the text says don't marry the daughters of the Canaanites. Gotcha. Okay. So he there were other. Yeah, you know, I always think you know I think that Abraham is in this, in this isolated place and there's nobody around him. But reality is there are other sure. other groups of people around him, and he wasn't just going to another a place where he knew there was people. He he was going intentionally to look for people with the same values, essentially. Values and culture and background, yeah. And even still, though, I think the values, interestingly enough, it's the values still, though, because Abraham, you know, it wasn't like, it's so hard to think because Abraham is pre-Moses. Yeah. And so the, I mean, the really the, the Judeo-Christian values were different still then at that point. I mean, there, was, were? The, there was the birth of the, of the religion, essentially. Yeah, it was right, and that is that is somewhat confusing because you even have uh, Laban, who we'll talk about in a minute, um, and that's that his name is a reference to to worshiping the moon god. So there was a pluralistic uh, religion that was even part of Abraham's background, right? Because he came from a pluralist pluralistic uh, society, but there were still similarities in that culture. That Abraham was don't don't worry the bee about the bee. Gone. He's moved. He's on your head. No, I'm just kidding. I feel him. <laughs> Johnny's freaking out. I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> um, but but you know but so we have that. But later, as this develops, there's a progression a little bit when it comes to this, and we see later in the later in the Old Testament and then in the New Testament. This is why we tell Christians, hey, you need to marry other Christians. We're not considered concerned about the color of their skin or or you know that kind of thing. But they need to they need to follow Jesus. And why? Because 
because marriage is the foundation of society. It's the foundation, and God designed it that way. And it's sacred, and we need to treat it that way. And there, ha- there needs to be, for the good of society, for the good of culture, for the good of Christian marriage, there needs to be a consistency between the husband and the wife in the values they hold and the God they worship. And so, and so, and that, and that's really important. And this is, this is, this is where this comes from. Is this kind of a thing that it progresses past this? You know, as we get later in the Old Testament and then into the New Testament, but, but, but this is kind of the purpose behind it. You mentioned uh, Laban, yeah, uh, cousin Laban, yeah, cousin Laban, and uh, what he apparently he was pretty hospitable towards the servant. Sorta. Yeah, what what motivated him to be so hospitable? Is it the ten camels? Yeah, is well, it, it kind of was actually. Yeah? I mean, here's what happens as you read the text. What what you what you see is that is that here's Rebecca, right? She's she's watered the camels, the servants watched her and, and he's looked and he said, he says, all right, she's a woman of character, right? Again, that's that character issue. Verse 21 is really important understanding the text. He sat back and watched her do it, made sure she followed through that. She had good character. She was a woman of her word. Um, and those kinds of things she does. Then he comes up to her, tells her the story of, of why he's there and then gives her, you know, bracelets and a nose ring. Right. And, and, and again, he's wealthy. And, and so this is readily apparent, not just by the 10 camels, but now he's giving her these gifts. Um, and she, and he shared her, his intent. So she, they, they begin to go back and Laban sees her and in text makes a point of saying that he sees the nose ring and the, and the, and the bracelets on her, on her wrist. So what does he see? Wealth. Mm-hmm. That's what he sees. Now, what we understand about Laban later <clears throat> is, you know, Isaac, Isaac's son, Jacob, Goes to get a wife. Oh yeah, you, yeah, you, right. You remember Laban. this, Rachel? I was like, yeah. I was thinking, yeah. like, I don't like Laban, and then I was like, what? Well, no, he got it. He got a wife for. Oh yeah, not this generation, right? Yes. It's the next generation, right? And so, and so, what we see is that Laban's really motivated by by Money. wealth. Yeah, by wealth, and so he he gets Jacob to work for him, to you know, and then tricks him uh, with with uh, Leah and Rachel, right? And 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 he's promised Rachel gives him Leah, and then he's got to work for him again in order to get Rachel. Right. And so there's, there's these things. So you begin to see into Laban's heart and Laban was motivated by materialism. And okay. Wealth. So why would, why didn't he, why did he keep him around then just for a while? You know, well, he, he let so it, ha- why didn't who keep who around? Why did Laban, uh, uh, insist that he stay longer the servant? Oh yeah. Yeah. In the text. Right. Because in our text, he basically what happens is, is they agree to terms, if you will. Right. The, the dowry, if you will, is paid. Um, you know, the wealth has been given. Here's all this stuff. And then, and yeah, she can go with you. But then when, when the servant gets up to go with Rebecca, uh, he says, Hey, why don't you just hang out for a little bit longer here? Why don't you hang out for, for like 10 more days and, and, and then she can go. And, and to us, that seems pretty reasonable. Like, you can get to know him a little bit, right? Like, we start to think, oh, that seems, that seems pretty reasonable. But again, knowing more about Laban tells us, okay, here we see the beginning of his manipulation of the circumstances. And the servant was very discerning, which, be, which, which tells you that, I think it tells you that Abraham was very intentional about who he brought on or which servant he sent and he trusted this servant. This servant was discerning and Abraham knew that. That's why he sent him. And, and the servant says, says, no, we've already agreed to this. Um, all the agreement, all, all this, all, everything's been arranged. You now need to let me, let me go. 
And so he's very discerning in that situation because, and he sees, I think he sees uh, Laban's heart and, and Laban's trying to manipulate. He's trying to draw things out so that he can get more out of the servant um, as far as the material, the material things. And so we begin to see his heart. It seems like we, we should be careful in, in a sense. I think we all can be a Laban in some ways, you know, we, yeah. there's some p- person and that comes into our life and we just want to take from them. I think we've got to be careful that we right. don't do that because it is, you know, you see uh, his heart even gets harder and harder. Yeah. And with Jacob, it gets, you know, he does, he it deceives him for 14 years. Yeah. You know, it's and, 14 years. That's a long time, yeah. man. Yeah. It's crazy. That's a long time. And then you end up with two wives and you only wanted the one. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I'm just that's, saying. That's, that's, I don't, I don't know wanna, how that works. I, I don't even want to go there. Yeah. Let's not go yeah, there. Let's not go there. Um, two wives is bad. One wife is good. Yes. So just, we'll two wives we'll is hard. That. Two wives would be hard. Yeah. Yeah. For everybody, for yeah, right? Yeah, we saw it. Sarah didn't like it, right? Sarah, Sarah didn't like it, right? Didn't like it. Um, so, so moving forward, then, uh, you know, I always think about legacy and the yeah. importance of that kind of stuff, and I, I definitely would love. You t- mentioned last week just the importance of our t- what doesn't matter what our tombstone actually says. It's more, you know, what we how we've infect, uh, affected or infected, yeah, uh, those those yeah. in our care, but. Um, the ripple effect of, of the generations to follow, you know, you're saying they kind of want us to finish well. Why, why is that important that we finish well? Well, you know, I mean, it, it's, you know, you and I, Johnny, are, are kind of, I guess, we would we be called middle-aged, I guess? I don't even want to say that because I'm uh, young at heart, right? I'm having but, midlife crises, crises yeah. so that consider me middle-aged? Something, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we're, we're both in our 40s. And, um, early 40. Well, you're early 40s. I'm early mid. You're mid. You're not mid until you're 45. That's, that's what I was Early with. mid. Yeah. I'm, I'm a 43. So yeah, you're 43. almost 44. Yeah. Ooh. I know yep. you're old, right? I'm almost 46. So, um, yeah, but we're, we're kind of, we're kind of in the middle of life. We'll just put it that Let's way. Say middle life. Yeah. <laughs> middle of life. Um, and so we, you know, for, for us, um, I think, you know, we have a lot of years left to still do a lot of things, to still serve God, to honor him, to, you know, with our kids, with our families, someday with our grandkids, all that kind of stuff. Um, so we have a lot of years left. But the reality is this from from here on out for us, um, we, we, it's, you know, the end is starts to begin to be a little bit closer than the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's one thing to start right and start strong in life and lots of people start strong but finishing's hard and a lot of times our perspective changes um and so i think it's it's really important to finish well uh and and be able to see beyond our own life and i think that's what that's what abraham's happening with abraham he's seeing beyond his own life Mm -hmm. he has you know I, i like to use the term i didn't use it on sunday but i like to use the term eternal perspective and he begins to have that this is beyond me this is the generations that will follow and though we aren't abraham we don't have an abrahamic there's no johnic covenant you know or johnny covenant johnic sounds good Uh, yeah or whatever it's a strong yonic strong i don't know yeah Anyways, um, Johnny but, but there's no. no, there's no special covenant between us and God, but we are part of his, his church and his church is not generational in the sense that it is not, it, it is not short term. It's a long term thing. It's multi-generational. It's eternal. And, and as part of that, we need to have eternal perspectives. And so the, so, so what we do in this life echoes in eternity. And, and I think that's really important. That, that we understand our mission and our calling in this life. And it's great if you're an electrical engineer. It's great if you're a construction worker. It's great if you're a, a car mechanic, a lawyer, doctor, whatever. Like whatever you do in this, in the, on this side of eternity for a profession, that's great. And I hope you love it. 
but that is not your driving purpose. Your driving purpose goes beyond this life because you're not going to be a lawyer in the next life. We don't need lawyers. Praise Jesus in the next life. No offense to lawyers. Yeah, because <laughs> well, the reason why is there's no division. There's no quarreling. There's no there's no need to mediate. Right. Yeah. There's no need. There's no need. We to have some mediate. great lawyers, so we're not. Yeah, we have great yeah, lawyers. We, we, in love, our... we love lawyers, Chris. Yeah. Uh, but anyways. Uh, See if he listens to this. Yeah, see yeah. Let's see if it right? comes up to you. Anyways, uh, but he serves you papers, maybe. <laughs> he serves me papers, but we, you know, we, but we don't. Those are not. That's not our identity. Our identity is found in Jesus Christ and who we are with Him. And so our mission is the church and the and the church's mission on a personal level, and that's beyond this life. Mm. That's the real. Um, legacy that we leave. Yeah, you mentioned our mission is you know what our mission is, and and even. Going back, not necessarily, well, I mean, the eternal mission, but there's also the the mission on this earth, right? And you kind of mentioned how our mission can change sometimes. Yeah. And I, that really, you know, there's certain, you know, sometimes there's a, there's a, a point in a sermon that really hits me. Yeah. And for some reason, that was the thing that hit me this week, um, is the mission change. Because I, you know, I, I look around our church, you know, I know there's people going through uh, hard marital stuff or career changes yeah. or, all, you know, just you know, you, you kind of have things going a certain way and we, and we do, like you said, everything we can to not disrupt our life yeah, and, and to keep it on track the way we want it. And the reality is, as you said, tomorrow it can change. Yeah. We're, uh, we're one day away from, from a, a life change, a mission change, a mission change. And I think that our first reaction is to get overwhelmed and depressed and discouraged and just want to quit. And the reality is, is it's just a new perspective. It's yeah. now I'm now this is what I'm doing. Um, wh- why is that so powerful? That life change leads to mission change. Why is that statement so powerful? Yeah, I think, and you know what? It's funny how many people that connected with. I mean, I had a lot of people, you know, talking to you. Wow, yeah, that was really good. I really need to hear hear that. Or it sounded like you were talking to me. And I'm like, yeah, because everybody experiences this. So everybody's like, oh my goodness, he's preaching to me. No, I'm preaching to all of them. All y'all to use a southern, you know, inclusive word, yeah. Um, rather than you guys, all of you, where fellow, I'm from, fellow folks, you I fellow like folks. Fe- no, I just that that's didn't sound, terrible. That sounded weird. Yeah, Johnny's not in charge of language. Yeah. He anyways, uh, <laughs> but but we we have this, you know, change is the only constant in life, and and some of us have more of it than others. You know, some of us are blessed to live in the same place our whole lives or close to our whole lives. Um, that's rare and rare. And, and, but we, we all experience change. We all go through life stages, right? We talk about, you know, graduating from high school or college or getting married or having kids or, or the kids leaving the house or, or even the, the, the smaller changes within kids, you know, they're, they're infants and toddlers. And then all of a sudden they're off at school and grade school. And then, and then, and then pretty soon they're in high school and they're got the driver's license and they're driving and they're hanging out with their friends and they're not home as much. And like every one of those little stages brings about a certain amount of loss for us. Mm-hmm. And, and, and because we enjoy the security of stability, right? We know what the patterns of life are. And then when the patterns are disrupted, we don't like that. And we don't want things to change. But as a parent, especially, I think you experience this more than before you become a parent. Because you begin to see that your relationship with your kids changes. The, the kind of input and the level of input that you have with your kids changes as they go through life, life, life stage changes, right? And so now my mission with my daughter is completely different than it was just a few years ago where she was still in high school and, 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 you know, I had a lot of influence in her life and I saw her every day and all these things. Now I don't see her every day. I, I pray many days that she'll just call me, you know, cause she's, she's not only, 
uh, out of the house, but she's married. She has a husband and, you know, she talks to him, not me. I've been replaced. That's hard for me to say, but I have been. I've been replaced in a lot of ways. So now my mission with her has changed. No longer am I the one that speaks to her on a daily daily basis. I'm not the main man in her life. And that's the way it got designed it to be. It should be. But I still struggle with that. And I've got to mourn that loss. It's okay. But I've also got to look forward and embrace the idea that I can have a new influence and a different kind of influence with her. It's the same with, with God and, and, and society and everything, right? And so our, our, the grand meta narrative doesn't change. The, the meta purpose, if you will, doesn't change. You know, I'm still on mission for, for the kingdom of God, for the church. Um, but as I move along in life, my relationship to the world around me, to my kids, uh, to my church even, will change. And so small m mission changes. And at some point, I'm going to get to the place, and maybe already am to some degree, to a small degree, where my entire mission is the next generation. Because I'm no longer, I, I, my, my leadership, my impact in this world is, will increasingly become shorter and shorter as time moves on. And I will have to look, how do I have an impact beyond this life, beyond the life I live now? And that's the next generation. Yeah. And so that's why it's finish well, start strong. And that's why that's the, the title and not start strong and finish well. Because I think when we finish well, we're helping the next generation start strong. And so that's why I put it in that order. Oh, I thought you just had, you're having struggles with your grammar. Uh, you thought your I was grammar. dyslexic or something. Yeah, I don't know. You're, no. you're kind of putting things around. You know, I always got to watch what you what you uh, type out. I got to edit it all well, the time. I don't want to talk about the title too much in the sermon. Yeah. You know, that's the title's not the point, but that is why but I did it. No, it's kind of the point. No, you know, I think too, you know, we kind of talked about this before. Um, sometimes we find our identity in certain things mm-hmm. and then... Um, it kind of becomes who we are. And the reality is, is we need to find our identity in the big mission, the big M yep. and not necessarily the little M. And I think, you know, exactly even right. talking, even talking about, you know, I was talking to my wife about this kind of stuff and she said a big struggle that a lot of, you know, um, mothers of, of little children or even just mothers in general, they find all of their identity in That's their, right. that child and whatever age and when that right. child begins to morph and change into certain things they begin to lose that grip right. or whatever or they have to loosen up a little bit and it really is it's hard i mean just as parents in general or, or just whatever you know even as in a career that we're in that's my identity is in this thing well that thing changes yeah so it's really important to find our true identity in yeah. christ and his mission and then uh enjoy the the, the certain things in, in life but not find our identity in those things yeah any exactly any right. other recommendations or um, re, uh, resources you recommend your resources at all? Yeah, I think there's one really good one, and I think especially for I think for everybody, but but especially for those who are maybe a little bit further along in life. But you know, it, and John Piper wrote a book called "Don't Waste Your Life," and and I just I love it. I, I love his approach to it. You know, his approach to retirement and things like that. And he's he's basically like, you don't retire now. You can retire from your job. But you don't retire from life and you don't retire from the mission of God and the mission of the church. You don't get to retire from those things. And, and, and that's, you know, sleep, you know, retire when you're in, in eternity future or something. I don't know. Yeah, whatever but, that looks like. Yeah, whatever that looks like. So, again, I'm not saying you don't get to retire from your job, but I'm saying you still have mission. You still have purpose. And if life changes, whether it's through a tragic loss or through a life stage or something like that, your mission changes, but you don't get to retire from being part of God's mission. That is not something you get to do. And so 
So we just have to be, you know, I think that's a really great resource and John Piper does a really great job of, of kind of laying that out. Cool story. If, if you don't mind real quick. So there's a couple was, I think at the rock, our old church where we were from and they, uh, retire from their job and then they went overseas and pick up missionaries, medical missionaries. You probably know what I'm talking about. Um, I don't know who they are, but I can't remember their yeah, names. They might not, right we now. might even be allowed to say their name. I don't even yeah, know. I don't know. But they're yeah, two older uh, older people, probably in their seventies, um, late sixties, seventies. Now they're probably at least in their seventies, maybe yeah. late seventies. Yeah. So they're he was a he was a successful doctor, and mm-hmm. then he retired from his practice, and they both decided we're going to go move to I think Africa. Yeah. And and minister to people and and yeah. do low cost clinics well, and, and stuff. And we both we both have some friends um, that. You know, had a, had an early career, and he was a car mechanic, and then uh, and then basically said, "I'm going to change change gears here," and, and went on the mission field. Oh, change as, gears as well. Yeah, change gears like that's that. Pretty good. Like yeah, that. that's a good transition. But uh, you know, so so yeah, so whatever it is, it doesn't have to be late in life. It can be even midlife or even even early and you can you can do a career change and whatever change happens man it's gonna happen embrace it get embrace comfortable the change. With it. Yeah, yeah quit worrying about it too like don't don't be so you know you're looking right at me when you said I, that yes i am and you also put your hand on my thigh which is really weird too i did not we okay. are across the table <laughs> just for the record to set no, the record yeah, straight i don't record. need hashtag me too yes like so, you know i'm trying to get associated a, with my name i'm trying to get a bonus so <laughs> hey uh, john what's the big idea wrap us up yeah when we finish uh, we finish well and we start strong uh, when we rely on God's providence and God's promise. Thank you for joining us on the Grace Deep Dive podcast, where we believe in real grace for real living. We'll see you next week.